And it's Dubois racing into the zone, looking to cut in. Dubois from a sharp angle. He scores! Now springing free is Dubois. Trying to break in and does. Fights off the check. What a goal! Dubois jams it to the front of the net. And the Leafs. The Leafs give up a second goal here early. Heading to the net, Dubois. Nyquist, Dubois scores! What a great play. Jackets off the wing. Dubois scores! Dubois scores! Loose puck in the slot. Scramble the shot, goes wide the save, rebound, scores! Dubois, full stride, Robinson cuts to the net, Dubois scores! Great work there by Polino, away goes Dubois, Dubois cutting in on the wing, Charette tries to get back, Dubois, the backhander, it scores! Well, all right there, hockey fans, and welcome to another episode of Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show. This is Season 3, Episode 8, or as we like to call it, Episode Carlisle, named after the most famous number eight of the Winnipeg Jets. You might have thought I might have went with Timu Solani there, but no, Randy Carlisle. And it's myself, co-host Tom, and I got with me, as always, co-host Randy, but not Randy Carlisle, co-host Randy Frickus. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, doing good well. to see you. Yeah, yeah, you too, man. Great, great pick. Carlisle, classic <laughs> Jet. He was a captain there for a while, too. Yeah, uh, he was. He was number eight uh, when Timu Solani joined the team. So Solani was wearing number 13. And then when uh, Randy Carlisle called it quits, then Solani switched to number eight and Bob was your uncle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I believe that uh, Randy played for the Jets. He wore he played for different teams, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and he wore like a different number. I think he was 25 or something like that. And he switched to number eight when he joined the Jets. And he played for the Jets for about 10 years, 83 to 93 or so. And uh, yeah, he rocked that number eight pretty well. And didn't wear a bucket. No, no, no. You wouldn't need one of those. <laughs> Not where he's coming from. Sudbury, Ontario. Um, he's uh, he's a he was a different he was a different era. You know what I mean? Um, and then he was went on to coach a lot uh, in the NHL. Manitoba Moose as well. Right. And uh, I don't think he's necessarily coaching these days unless he's an assistant. And I'm just not really sure. But um, there's a good chance maybe he's still getting paid for for some after. Because was he like let go from Anaheim last maybe? You know, I can't even remember the last couple teams that he coached. I remember him like in Toronto, but that was like going back a little ways. I remember him in Anaheim. Uh, and then I, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, but. So yeah, he played. Could, he he played a total of a thousand and fifty-five NHL games, hundred and forty-eight goals, four hundred ninety-nine assists. He just couldn't get one more, eh? Hey? Like, <laughs> uh, and six hundred forty-seven points. Yeah. Uh, four ninety-nine assists. You know who reached number five hundred in the career assists the other day? Uh, your captain of the Winnipeg Jets, that's right, Blake yeah. Wheeler. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. fourteen hundred pims. Nice. Attaboy, Randy. Well, we'll talk a little more about him during the Vintage Hockey Hair segment uh, later in the show. Oh, I just blew all the content right there. Pretty much. I got nothing <laughs> left to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll have to do some more research. But uh, yeah, let's um, let's start the show as we like to do with our local craft beers of the week. But I understand, Randy, once again, you're going out of town for yours. Yeah, you know what? Cor- corporate's been breathing down my neck all week here. <laughs> We're just really getting on me as far as like, where's the new next Epi's boys? And I'm just like, I'm, I'm busy over here. Yeah. Corporate. 
So I'm actually, I'm going to represent Winterlong Brewing Company again out of Whitehorse. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a great, it's a great beer. I went for a little rip on the outdoor rink last night and uh, grabbed a couple of these uh, for the post skate and there she goes. So today I have uh, Reckless Abandon by Winterlog, Winterlong Brewing Company. Um, nice. It's a double IPA. So you know what yeah. that means. Well, I believe that means it's double the pl- double the fun. So <laughs> nice. Um, the one I've got today. So I um, I recently reached a little milestone, and one of my uh, I got a gift of 40, 40 uh, beers for forty years. And nice. So um, one of the beers I got here, it's this one that I'm going to drink today, uh, from Half Pints Brewing Company in St. James, uh, which is a uh, area of winnipeg here and this is called the manitoba hopped american brown and it's a customer choice brew project so it was as voted by the people i don't know uh, i don't remember this vote but um you know anyway it's was it the see... same people that voted for portage in maine i wonder <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but I was super excited about this because this is like my favorite style of beer. So I'm like, did I vote for that? Because I would have. Um, but like you can see, there's there's uh, bar graphs on the on the oh, can hey. showing you who voted and how. Actually, it doesn't show you who voted, but like how people voted. And then uh, yeah, it's like brewed with Manitoba hops, and um, yeah, it's kind of uh, just that classic uh, American brown brown ale, which um, is a is a great uh, style of beer, I think. Um, so let me I'll just read you this one little blurb from the can. Our province does, in fact, have somewhat of a hop legacy. Brewers Gold hops used in this recipe, alongside a few others, were initially derived from a wild hop sourced right here in Manitoba. So when you start to get that cheery glow that can happen after a can or two describe it as beaming with local pride so <laughs> sounds tasty yeah hey, when we went for that socially distanced uh skate on the uh river trail there yeah to celebrate your birthday was it you and me that were talking about uh brown ales or was i that believe we else? did have a little conversation about brown ales and this but wasn't we weren't we uh wasn't that a reference to another one that we were talking about or was it that one well, I think because I had a stout and you might have had a, a, a dark lager or ale or something like that. That, that But doesn't that somebody of, else have a brown ale? It wasn't about this one, though. Yeah. Isn't there another brown ale somewhere? Like, does Torque have one or something? Uh, Torque has one called the Roundabout, which is, I think it's like a, a bitter or something, like a British style one. So not quite the same, but, you know, similar. I do like the brown ale. Yeah. So... Yeah, I just cracked mine and poured it, and it looks really beautiful. Nice and nice color, nice dark color. Virtually, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Mmm, makes me want to talk hockey. And for me, I want to talk double the hockey. <laughs> it's the sort of double IPA will do you. Well, let's I'm going to say started. everything twice here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jacob, two two. Uh, let's get things started. Uh, by talking about what pretty much everybody's already talked about, but look, we had all for the record, it's January 29th, 2021. This is when we're recording season three, episode eight, the Carlisle. 
Um, everybody's pretty much talked about it since a week ago when the trade went down. Pierre-Luc Dubois, whom you heard in the intro, getting you Winnipeg Jets fans stoked for hearing his name with the Dubois scores. A Labou Dubois. Um, uh, the Dubois for Line A trade happened uh, this past Saturday. Yeah, a week uh, ago. it's Friday now. It's almost Saturday, so it's almost a full week. So all the all the insiders have had their voices heard on this trade, but we haven't heard from co-host Randy yet, really, on his overall take of the Dubois for Line A and Roslovic uh, trade between the Jets and Jackets. What do you think? Well, I th- to you know, in all fairness, I think if you scroll back on our Go Jerts Go WhatsApp message group. Yep. You you can see the boys, uh, including you and I, talking about PLD for quite a while. So we have we have uh, look. You you could maybe if, call us insiders because exactly we like, knew this all along. I think we should have been saying, and from henceforth we will say, friend of the show, Pierre Luc Dubois, because oh, like yeah. we've we've been chatting this guy up for a while. And no slight against Patrick Line because it was definitely sad to see him go. Um, you know, he's he was legit, you know, probably the very first superstar for this uh, or potential superstar for this version of the Winnipeg Jets. Sorry, Blake Wheeler. Sorry, Mark Shifley. Uh, <laughs> you guys are good, but not superstars. You just don't have that star power. Yeah, of old, uh... you just don't, you're, you're kind of missing the flair or whatever you want to say. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess maybe if you if you think back to some of our, you know, preseason discussions, and, and talking about a uh, potential line A trade and where he's going to fit. And it was Stasny coming in. Is line A now just going to play on the wing with him? And is that going to be cool? Or, you know, um, but, you know, if I thought back to prior to the season, I, I wouldn't have thought that that line A would have got traded in season. Right. But I, I guess what happened was with the PLD situation, you know, escalating. And after that, you know, famous shift of, you know, that everyone just seems to, you know, jump, jump down his throat, throat about like, um, you know, things, things had to uh, speed up fast for Columbus because they can't just go a whole season with a guy who's, yeah, you know, the, the poop hit the fan and the timing was right to make the deal. And it all shook out Yeah, reading about how there had been discussions and everything. But then once the, this sort of situation in Columbus came to a head like it did, then it was time to make the move. And uh, Winnipeg was right there offering up line a, and apparently CBJ wanted Roslovic too. Like he was, he was, they were like, you know, if you don't include him, it's no deal. Uh, I guess Columbus may maybe had more um, say in the trade. I don't know. Like to me, I, I do wish that instead of a third round pick, there was, you know, just some other player. I don't even care if it was an AHL player, but you know, like a body instead of a pick coming back, but it is what it is. Who cares? Um, it's pretty personally, pretty excited about PLD coming to, I'm to play for the jets. So, yeah. and like you say, like line, a was um, a heck of a player. He was an exciting player. I can't tell you how many times, you know, he brought me out of my seat uh, going to like when I was at a Jets game, you know, um, remember when that was a thing going to hockey games. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I was there for his first career hat trick against the Toronto Maple Leafs when he scored the overtime winner. That was a wicked game. And it was kind of like, 
holy smokes boys look at this guy that's on our team yeah you know um like you say just like you're like this this guy's a superstar well and even his like, last game like he, yeah. he he put the team on his back and that overtime goal he started yep. pretty much at the in his own zone at the goal line and just absolutely. wheeled and scored you know yeah uh, like and, a to- total game breaker yeah absolutely and you had mentioned kind of like income stats and are they gonna gel and play together all season and it, well it looked like from game one that there was already some gel on that line you know now the line has been gone they've been putting cop there and all of a sudden that's like the most amazing line of Ehlers yeah. stats and 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 cop but i think you could put anybody there Ehlers and stats near just like i mean i think dubois is going to go with those guys and that's going to ramp it up in other levels but yeah we'll, you know. Let, let's talk potential lineups later on in the yeah, show yeah yeah but just sort of just overall to, thoughts and stuff on this trade on the, on the trade you know immediately you would you saw Were you shocked um well no the night before i was pretty much thinking it's happening tomorrow like mm-hmm. it just seemed like i don't know it just seemed like it um yeah yeah cuz you had um seen some tweets and whatever from uh you know people saying that this was kind of in the works and whatever and then in the morning it was announced and i didn't see that stuff the night before I don't think I just kind of woke up to it. But immediately like, people wanted to try and pick like a winner to the trade. You yeah, know, like you saw a lot, yeah. you saw, wanted to see like, oh, who on this trade? And like, it's probably something that you're not going to really see for a year or really be able to decide for years. Like think yeah. think about like the trade that sent um, <clears throat> Kane and Bogosian to Buffalo for mm-hmm. Tyler Myers and Drew Stafford and the guys that ended up being the pick that ended up being Roslovic and the pick that ended up being Brendan Lemieux or, you know, like it just, yeah. there's just so many layers to these deals that like to really figure out like where, who won or who lost is just like a multi-layered thing that lasts seasons. Yeah. You'll have to take a, a, a long view on it. And, you know, even in the short view, I kind of really like how Winnipeg comes out of it. And I know that a lot of people think maybe Columbus got the better, uh, of Winnipeg on this trade, but like you say, like it's, it's a long view thing. And, you know, so I put it out there on the talk and hockey Instagram. Uh, if you follow at talk and hockey podcast, um, and I, you know how you can do those quizzy things on, uh, Instagram. So, you know, I had that and just said, uh, who won the trade jets or jackets. And it was kind of even for a while. And then like, it ended up being uh, 75% jackets, 25% jets for responses on that. And there was quite a lot of responses. I was shocked. I was like, wow, that that's uh, those are good metrics there. Uh, way to go, intern. Um, but uh, Hey, did uh, they make a graph and put it on a beer can for you? No. So oh. <laughs> that's why I was like, intern, get the fuck out of here. But, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, it was, I was, I was surprised to see 75% of random internet people thought that Columbus came out better in the trade. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I'll tell you why. I think no doubt about it. Patrick line a is going to continue to score goals. He's, he's, he's going to score a lot of goals in his career. You know, um, he's going to have a 50 goal season. He's going to do these things. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, and he won't be doing them for the jets, which is too bad. Does Dubois ever put up the numbers that that Line will? Hard to say. Who knows? I don't think he'll necessarily have that sort of like fifty goal or whatever. But like 
if he can be an excellent, you know, possibly even number one center on this team, because uh, who knows between him and Shifley how things shake out. But if he's, you know, skating um, 20 plus minutes a night and just making this team all that much better, you know, you got to like that. So I think he can, because like you say, off the top of the show, uh, we've been, we've been watching Pierre-Luc Dubois for a while. Oh yeah. So here's my hot take on the whole situation and then we can move on. So um, I think on the surface, you could probably say Columbus won because line A is by far the flashier player, the goal score goals are exciting. Goals are valuable goal scorers make money. So then that's, that's, and like, that's where all the excitement surround, like no one is really stoked on uh, a two way centerman, like, mm. uh, like as, as hockey people you are, but like, just think about like the difference between Jonathan Taves and Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah. Like Ovechkin is like this. He's the all-star. He's, he's the, the all-star and Jonathan Taves, Three Stanley Cups, by the way, but <laughs> he's just not that exciting as a two-way centerman. Even think about Bergeron from Boston. No yeah. one really gets fired up about those guys, but, but those are the guys that win you Stanley Cups. Yeah, that's good. So really- on the surface, I would say, you know, a lot of people are going to say that Line A uh, going to Columbus won them the trade. But <clears throat> for me, if you think back, and I'll never forget this day, you know, when when we were watching the the Jets bubble game there together. And, uh, you know, our, our buddy, Matthew Kachuk went after Mark Shifley's foot there. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Kachuk later in the show. Um, but how quickly it like, there was just no one to step up behind. Kind of Mark Shifley. We, they, they, they had nothing, you know? Yeah. So what, what, what I think is super valuable for the Jets now is like, you need to almost over like, overload your team with centermen because mm. that could happen. Mark Shifley could go down or whatever. Like, and then these centermen can also play wing if they have to, like, but you can't make a winger play center. Like, yeah. so I feel well, that I feel like the overabundance of depth now for the jets forwards, especially at center is w- what could take them far. And yeah. if you think about teams like Pittsburgh with, you know, they got Crosby and um, Malkin, Malkin, you know, like, you you almost need like a, a like a one two center com- combination, and now like the Jets have like a one two three four center like yeah. center combination. Uh, so I would say, and the other thing, and you kind of touched on this, is I think you know Mark Trefley's been playing great. He's got points. You know, not to knock the guy, some of those points are on empty net goals or whatever, but. Um, he needs somebody behind him to push him a bit more. Yeah. I think he's what, just a little too comfortable at that number one center spot. So if, if PLD comes in and, you know, shows that he can play both ends of the ice score and defend Mark Shifley's really been lacking on the defensive side of things lately. So maybe that's going to like <clears throat> just that internal competition that I think maybe is needed with, with some of the guys. And that might yeah. be working now too, with like Stasny, Ehlers and cop, um, that's going to make we- Blake Wheeler work harder because Blake wants to be the man, right? Like you, it's clearly that he wants to be the man in charge and he wants to be the guy scoring goals and getting assists and stuff. But if all the other guys around him are scoring and he's not, I know he's going to work harder to score. So mm-hmm. I just think this like stacking of the deck 
is gonna is really gonna help Winnipeg um, you- in the long run. And compared to like how many scoring wingers do you need? Like again, you could be like Connor and Line A. And you got to pick Connor because he signed for seven years at a pretty decent yeah. contract. So, in in the yeah. end, I think long term, I think the Jets win. Short term, I think it just the flashiness makes it look like Columbus won. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Line A is now the best player on the Jackets, which is kind of like last summer or whatever when he's like, I wanted to play on the first line and all this. And you can argue whether or not Maurice is. Uh, you know, a little too stubborn or what his deal is, why he lining never really got those first line minutes or, you know, he had some, but you know, you can argue about that, but like, there's no doubt about it now in Columbus line. A is going to be the best player on the team. So that's what he wants, which is great. But like to your point of the one, two punch down the middle, you got in the North division alone, you're looking at Tavares and uh, Matthews. Matthews. You're looking yeah. at dry and McDavid. Um, and now, and in Montreal, I mean, it's not necessarily like that, but you got to like the way the Habs are looking. We'll oh. talk about that later. But like Super now in Winnipeg, team. if you've got Shifley and Dubois or Dubois and Shifley, whichever way you want to order them, uh, that is uh, key. And then and then you've got a third excellent centerman in Paul Stastny. And you've got a fourth excellent centerman in Adam Lowry. And then you got a pretty decent centerman in uh, Nate Thompson, except he's hurt. That, so, you know, and, there's, tre- and Jansen Harkins, Trevor Lewis, like now they're really they're deep guys there. guys who can play center, yeah. Andrew yeah. Kopp, too. Yeah, yeah. so, um, which is good. It's good. Uh, I like the, I like the um, depth at that position for the Jets right now after – uh, this trade as a result of this trade and yeah um, you know kind of too bad to see line a go but at the same time like he was a bit of a frustrating player to watch at times you always and and you know what like in the last calendar year you really started to see some things come together and and his first game of the season was incredible and you're like that's the Patrick line that I want he's scoring goals getting assists punching kachucks in the face he's doing it right and and that's what you want and uh, so it's too bad you know we might not get to see his best years here like you know he's probably going to have yeah his I, best I was, years still to come for sure they are still to come but um yeah I, again i think and you know again we'll touch on this later on the episode but it's like it was it was based on need and necessity and i think yeah. both teams got what they needed totally totally and uh Make no mistake about it. I am jazzed for Pierre Luc Dubois to be a Winnipeg Jet. Oh yes, number thirteen actually. That's right. Uh, he's gonna be rocking the one three for yeah. for our boys in blue. That used to be an unlucky number, but you see lots of guys wearing it now. Uh, Alex well, Lafreniere had- wears number thirteen, and he scored his first NHL yeah, goal in uh, overtime. So, uh, awesome. and Tanev was thirteen for the Jets, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a handful of other ones out there that I think Barzal wears number thirteen for the Islanders. There's uh, a great player. Uh there's some other guys out there that obviously I'm forgetting, but um let's uh let's move from the, the talk of the trade itself to now maybe a bit of a Jets January. So we're just about wrapped up the month of January. The Jets um will have played eight games by the time they play tomorrow. And before so in our last episode was kind of a couple of weeks ago before the season really kicked off for the Jets anyway. And we gave our predictions. I said the Jets would finish January five, two and one was my prediction. Um, and here they are sitting five and two 
with one game left to go. And Randy, what what did you predict? Five and three, I believe. I I think so. I I don't remember having like a definitive number. I probably okay. was kind of like a little. You were a little wishy washy. Yeah, <laughs> I might have not had enough double IPAs to really make the call on something. <laughs> to get bold enough to make a call, yeah. I think you said five and three. So you know we're both kind of in the neighborhood of being uh, pretty good predictors uh, for the Jets January, and you know they they probably have a win or two where maybe they shouldn't have got one and a loss where they should have got a win or, you know, so. Um, well, specifically like that Edmonton game where they scored with like less than a second to go. So yeah. that, that could have put them at um, what five, one and one actually. Right. If they would have, I mean, went the to game, they, they won a game against Ottawa that they had no business winning. Oh yeah. Yeah. The game, the ver- first game against Calgary, they didn't, eh, it was, it was an all right game, but like, to me, the first period I, was terrible for the Jets. Yeah, and t- so there's the problem for me. It's not always the first; it's been the second. It's but the Jets have yet to play. Well, there was one game they played 60 minutes. Then they they beat Ottawa pretty good in that game, but it was Ottawa, right? And, it's Ottawa, yeah. And and so the Jets have really yet to put together a full 60 for me. Um, they they seem to always have at least one period where they're getting rampantly outshot like 22 to six or whatever. And it's the goalie Brassois or Hellebuck who've Brassois numbers are so bad right now, but he's been playing great. Like his save percentage is good. His goals against is bad, but, um, and Hellebuck's been, he's been okay. He hasn't been, he's been pretty good. He should have had a shutout kind of missed it the last minute there, but um, I don't know. It's just the, but if you think in hindsight, the Jets, so they the Jets have played seven games, and three of them were against Ottawa. And yeah. Ottawa right now is one in six. So yeah. technically, the Jets won those three games. Three of their five wins were against a team that they had to beat. Yeah, that they by all <laughs> circumstances should beat. Yeah, and so, so they they lost against what Toronto and Toronto. Edmonton? They lost three one, and they lost against Edmonton four three. So and that game against Edmonton, they should have won because they yeah. had a they had a three two lead with uh, minutes to go, and then and then uh, some miscues on the in the defensive end led to a, a late tying goal and uh, even later winning goal. So, like, what I'm, what I think, what's missing from this equation still is just more matchups against Toronto and Montreal to see what this team really is all about. And also once PLD joins the lineup, uh, you know, we'll, you will get a true sense of the jets. So like in like, you know, in review of looking back at these first seven games, like eighth one is tomorrow against Vancouver. Is it correct? Vancouver. And then on the first, they got Cal first and second, they got Calgary. And then, uh, well, they got, yeah, they got, after Vancouver, they got what? Oh, they've got three against Calgary after Vancouver. Sorry, four. Okay, so so to finish off the first eight, they play Vancouver. So mm-hmm. who's who's the next eight against? The first four are against Calgary. Yeah, they don't see Montreal till later in February. They don't see Toronto again till March. So it's kind of weird the way they've laid that schedule out. But essentially, yeah, the next eight. After this Vancouver, After Vancouver game, yeah, they got 
three home games against Calgary, then they go on the road against Calgary, and then they got two home games against Ottawa, and then they're on the road to Edmonton and Vancouver for a pair in each city. Okay, so they've got in the next eight. Let's do this again then. In the next eight, they've got Calgary for four, Ottawa for two. And Edmonton for two, and that's eight games right there, right? Okay, so what do you, what do you, so after 16 games, what do you think the Jets are, are gonna, oh, well, uh, you know, so do you, tomorrow, are the Jets gonna be Vancouver? I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, I think they will. So they'll be um, six and two. Like, well, I think we agree that they'll be six and two after eight games. Right. I don't, I don't want to jinx them or anything, but like, I know like, well, see the thing about Vancouver is there's a lot of panic in Canuck town and um, you know, but they won, they, they beat Ottawa last night and you know, they've had a couple good games against Ottawa, but again, it's Ottawa. So it's like, but now Vancouver's maybe feeling good about themselves. So if, if Winnipeg can put together 60 minutes, I think they should win, but that's been their problem is they haven't been able to really play a complete game yet. So okay, so if they're six and two, let's just say they're going to be six and two after tomorrow. What are they going to be after the next eight? If four are against Calgary, two are against Ottawa, Ottawa and two, two are against two. Edmonton. I'll say they'd split against Calgary. They'd go two and two against Calgary. They'll take the two against Ottawa and they'll split against Edmonton. So I'll say there'll be essentially five, five and three or something like that. So then they'll be 11 and five after 16 games, which is a pretty nice record. I'd say Uh, right now it looks like in the North division that Toronto and and Montreal come as advertised. I think people had doubts about Montreal, but like, man, do they look great? Honestly, Um, they play uh, a real fast, good game. And then they've added some size up front and on the back and, I'm just liking the way the Habs are playing, but you know, we'll get, we'll get to that. But um, I think, I think I agree with your call for the most part, but I think jets are going to take three against Calgary, three, okay. three, against, three and one and give up one. And then yeah. they'll, and then they'll go two and then they'll split. So okay. you're going to say 11 and five, and I'm going to say 12 and four yeah. after 16. It's pretty wild, though, that there will be four games against Calgary in a row, and they've already played one. So that'll be five games against Calgary already done with. And, and so that's a lot more, of Matthew Kachuk coming up. Uh, can you handle it? Like, is that guy – I know we were going to save this for later, but let's just talk about Kachuk at the moment, and then we'll come back to Jets roster stuff. But okay. is Matthew Kachuk the most hated guy in the league right now? Like, certainly After, after seeing that Jack Can- Campbell stuff – I think I think so. Like that was bullshit. Yeah. yeah, and then and then uh, the little incident with Muzzin where he lost his temper after. Oh, that was hilarious. Muzzin yeah. gave him flipped the puck at him there, and like I I think you know if if for Canadian hockey fans probably watching a whole lot of North Division, it's where a lot of the focus is. Certainly, Kachuk has to be the most hated guy in the North Division, but then like even league wide, but it's hard this year to say that because he's not playing. American teams, but like, I don't think people hate Brad Marchand anymore. Like he, you know, he's like, he's kind of cleaned up his act. Um, I think so. And he's, he's also, well, not to say Matthew Kachuk isn't skilled, but mm-hmm. like Berger or um, Marchand has really 
like rounded out his game. Oh, like, big time. Skill wise. He, uh, he scored a shorty the other night, which was his 28th career shorty, which is the most among active players by quite a bit. Like the next closest guys, like way back. So we should do a whole episode where we talk about like pesky players or rats, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah, duo. I used to hate um, Wilson for, for uh, Washington, but you know, you don't really hear his name getting tossed around anymore. But and, all those classic guys from like the nineties and yeah, you know, like yeah. all those, like Darius the guys that and, the guys that were like out there to really cause trouble. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The last guy like that was kind of Matt cook. Oh yeah. Brutal. Brutal. Remember Rafi Torres for the Oilers on their cup run. That guy, that was classic headshot train. Yeah. Uh, gone off the rails, man. He was wild, but he's got a bunch of goals in that run too. So, but uh, anyway, <laughs> let's okay. So as far as um, the just January goes roster wise, what do you, so we've seen uh, some combinations here because DeMello and Poolman were left off their roadie that they had. So we got to see Billy Hainala. We got to see Sammy Niku. Logan Stanley made his debut and stuck in the lineup, where, whereas Hainala only got the one game. Which, I totally forgot about Tucker Poolman. Yeah. No, and, and so Poolman's going to theoretically be back, right? Like maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but. Like the, it, it seems like all of a sudden, no, oh, the blue line is even crowded. And then, you know, roster wise up front, uh, Thompson went down so that the fourth line got restructured, but also, um, line a has been out since the first game and is now gone. So there's been some different looks to the lines, but like we've seen, uh, Jansen Harkins come in. And Trevor Lewis, we've seen what he's looked like after a handful of games. And I'll, I'll just say, like, I've really actually liked the Lewis edition. Um, big Trevor Lewis guy over here. <laughs> well, and two-time Stanley Cup winner, you know, and he's got some experience. And you need you need those guys uh, further down your lineup. Yeah, yeah. I'm not thinking that he's going to go and score all the time, but I he's got speed, which I like. And he's not afraid to go anywhere on the ice, which I also like. So um, I think he's been good. And then him with Harkins, who also has speed. And then they've been playing with um, Perot, maybe, or I don't know how exactly the lines are shaken down. So are we going to do this right now? Like, are we going to are we going to try and shoehorn Pierre Luc Dubois yeah, into this lineup or what? Yeah, exactly. Let's let's go through the Jets lineup and see where Dubois ends up and what you're after. We've we've seen. You know, seven Jets games now. We can say, what do you? What's your ideal roster looking like? You know what I mean. So, who's um, going first? You? Ha- me? Yeah. Sh- okay. Sure. So, I think that uh, I think you're basically looking at a line of Connor, Shifley, Wheelers, and I think that's not really going to change. To st- like to start with when Dubois enters the lineup, I'm saying here, and then the second line, but which could be played as the first line if you want to. Like, what are labels, right? Like, let's just <laughs> get rid of labels. But and then I think you'll see. Essentially, I think you're going to see uh, Dubois in the middle of Statsny and Ehlers, um, and then that line has the benefit of two guys who are good at faceoffs. You know, so. I, I'm not sure the handedness though. See, see that might come into play. I think um, PLD is left. 
And is, is stats right or left? I think he's left too. Yeah. And Ehlers, I believe, is, is also left. So maybe that's a problem having three left hand guys. But they have three left right now. Cop, Stasny, and Ehlers are all left handed. Oh, okay. So then maybe it's not a problem. <laughs> so but, yeah, Pierre Deluc Dubois shoots left, thanks okay. to our good friends at Hockey DB. Okay. It's been a while since we've seen those guys. We used to go for beers with them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> used to pick their brains uh, all the time. Yeah. Stasny. So, let's just say then that that's a line, regardless of what hand they shoot. You got Stasny. Dubois. He shoots left as well, too, yeah. Okay, and then Ehlers. <laughs> Ideally, they'd probably shoot opposite hands, then they could take draws in opposite corners and always be on their strong side kind of thing. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and then I think third line, the best third line that they could look at would be probably Lowry between Cop and I would say Harkins, but... But Harkins um, is playing center on that fourth line right now. That's right. So um, I don't mind Perot there, you know. Um, I just kind of want to bring up their roster so I have it in front of me, but I don't. It's kind of. Right. Um, they kind of have Perot there. And then the fourth line, if Thompson is not hurt, I guess, maybe Thompson between Lewis and Harkins. Uh, you know, that probably works. Gustafson has he he's played a game or two. Yeah. He looked pretty good too. See oh, now we're now- Appleton. Sorry, Appleton has been playing with Cop and uh Lowry on the third line. That's what that was. And and then the well, fourth line, you're right, was was Harkins with, with Thompson out. Um yeah. and Perot and Lewis. So I'm pretty fine with that to be honest. Like so between the bottom lines, if if any, if on any given game, Thompson, Harkins, Appleton, if Perot, if those f- four guys come in and out of the lineup or whatever, and fill holes on the bottom two lines between Lowry and Cop always being there, and between say Lewis and whoever you know on the bottom line, I think that's fine. I'm good with that. Like that, I like. I just like the 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 top two lines not really even you can't even really call one of those like line one line two you know it's they're just they both seem like they would be very potent and i think i i have a feeling that former cape breton screaming eagle pierre-luc dubois maybe he'll have a little bit of that nova scotia quebec league um gel with former halifax moosehead nikolai ehlers and maybe they'll just go off and and uh you know, all us, all us Nova Scotians will be just be like, you know, they used to play junior in, in Halifax and Cape yeah. Breton or whatever. So, and, and my, uh, my uncle Jim, he was their billet and he, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois chopped wood with him once. Exactly. So <laughs> everybody knows somebody and yeah. But, so, he, so here's, here's my, uh, uh, here's my Pennywise tribute, uh, fuck authority kind of, uh, <laughs> take at this thing. Okay. Why why wouldn't you keep that line together since they're so hot? Like yeah. the line I'm talking about is Cop, Stasny, and Ehlers. Yeah. And why don't you you mix up the Connor Shifley Wheeler line? Like, 
aren't we at the point of like this line is clicking? So why why take it apart? Why mess with it? But yeah, I, I totally. like I I know that that's not going to happen because that's not how Paul Maurice yeah. and, and company uh, operates, and they're going to keep that Connor Shifley Wheeler line together. But hasn't that line earned the you know the opportunity to stay together, like PLD or not, kind of mm. thing? Um, well, that's that that's you know I feel that that should be a reward to these guys because yeah. um and if you think about it like. So then now you're rewarding this line for not playing as well uh, by keeping yeah, them together. Well, I don't know. you know, the argument could be made that maybe bumping Wheeler down on the lineup wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but whether, uh, I don't know that that's ever going to happen in the near future with, well, how about Wheeler on the line with Lowry? Yeah. Like imagine that line with, with like Lowry Wheeler and Appleton. Appleton. Yeah. That's a big, heavy fast line like i think that could be really good yeah, the um, time the time is coming and it might not be this season it it likely will be next season when mm-hmm. blake wheeler becomes a middle six to bottom six yeah. player on the jets like, yeah i can i can his, agree with that you know he's he's the captain like you just think about like when andrew ladd was here like sure he was top top two lines there for a while but after a while it just like he just couldn't hold it in those top top in the top six. So yeah. the, the time is coming. Like, you know, why not, you know, I don't know. Like I, I feel that's what I would do. I would shake things up on that top line and, and uh, you know, let, a- let, let PLD maybe take a spot maybe, or maybe um, yeah, I don't know, like maybe PLD plays, Center Shifley plays right. Shifley played right on Team North America and other mm-hmm. other aspects of of Canada, uh, like World Juniors. He played right wing. Um, so yeah, maybe you put PLD with Shifley and Connor on that first line. Could you be a keep, deadly you, line. You keep that other line this, together, Stasny. Like until things this, maybe start kind of unraveling or whatever. Sure. If they do, put Wheeler down on the third line with Lowry and may, maybe Lowry Wheeler and Perot. And then, you know, your fourth line becomes Appleton, Harkins, and Lewis or Appleton, yeah. Harkins, and Gustafson or whatever. Yeah. So those, like are the forward, those are the forward lines. That's my hot take. Wheeler going down to the third line. Sorry, bud. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah, I, think, I think you should reward that second line for, for, for their play right now and keep them together. At the same I time, you. I think PLD is probably still a few games away from entering the lineup anyways. So maybe... Things will come maybe up by then. They've cooled off, or something. yeah, or maybe there's an injury or, or something where yeah. you know it'll be an easy fix. Um, but but to thinking about the f- defense and like how you mentioned, you know, with Morrissey and Demello's yeah. now back in the lineup, uh, Forbert, Pionk, Stanley's got a few games under his belt now. Uh, Pullman's out. Uh, Hinola was in for a while. Like it, it does seem a little crowded back there, but at the same time. I don't think they've been great. You know, like like Josh Morrissey doesn't look like Josh Morrissey from two seasons ago. Like it still seems like he's kind of a little slow or or just not the Josh Morrissey that we've all come to know and love. Yeah. Um well part of my theory on on a lot of the way that the several of the guys have looked in the start is but to remember there were no exhibition games this year. So like the first 
three to four games are kind of like exhibition games in a way, in the way that they're getting themselves timing right and everything with the passes because I, there were so many passes behind or in the feet or just like off the mark and whatever. And the timing of probably as a defenseman, you know, you want to have a gap with the forward coming in and containing them and stuff like that's all just like reps and stuff. So if you don't have an exhibition game or whatever to do that, then it probably takes a minute, but you know, they're pros, so they should probably know what they're doing. So, but I agree like Morrissey hasn't looked amazing, but he doesn't look terrible. I don't think. Um, And then, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to say that, like, we don't know who Pierre Luc Dubois is going to have chemistry with, either, right? Like, we don't. It could. What if, what if him and Harkins, like, what if them, like, have great chemistry? Then what do you do? Like, then you got to think about shuffling your lineup even more because if you've got Harkins penciled in on the fourth line, but for whatever reason. Dubois and Harkins have like just for an example have like amazing chemistry. Who knows, right? So yeah, I, I, think, I don't. I, I don't that, think that's that's not really how the Jets operate, though. Yeah, but I think that Maurice has to be flexible coming in. But we all know that that's maybe not his strong point. So yeah, okay. So we we should probably take a bit of a break here. Sounds good. Sounds good. I think that. Um, it's about time to uh, put the pants on on Talking Hockey. It's been a while since those pants have been tried on. Haven't been to the Bay in a while, you know. Yeah, I don't fu- really like shopping virtually for clothes. So, Funny story, actually. All the music that's played here on the Talking Hockey show is on, uh, on like 45 records. And the 45 record with like the, the Gene song. It's like super dusty. We haven't used it in a while. <laughs> so I got to find that. I got to find that 45. I got I to dust it off. Maybe like compressed air. Make yeah. sure there's no, no, there's no, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no like dust in, in the little grooves. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll dust that off and we'll spin that right now. We'll come back from the break and I got a, I got a pants question for Tommy. Okay. Sounds good. When I wake up in the morning. It's been a while since we've heard that song and funny that it didn't even skip. So I guess the old <laughs> compressed air does work. Yeah, nice. No dust on that 45 and no no warpage because we've been storing them properly. You, you got to store it properly. Uh, I have these milk crates actually that are perfect for records. So there, there you, go. you go. So yeah, here we are. Um, you know, if you think about the old days of of the pants segment, Tommy would hop on the Winnipeg Transit bus and either make his way down to St. Vitale Mall or uh, Polo Park. He's not going downtown anymore. Yeah, I used to go to the downtown bay to the it's men's gone. department there, but that's uh, it's gone now. Gone. That's right. So, so now what Tommy does is he sends Zoom Zoom chat um, uh, <laughs> invitations <laughs> to uh, Mister Shevel Day off, and they uh, they go on Zoom, and then Tommy shares his screen, and then they scroll the the bay like uh, pants 
department online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they make an order together and then they 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 text each other when the pants come. Sometimes the pants show up faster at Chevy's place because he's rich. He's got, that pri- he's got Amazon Prime or whatever. Yeah, so, so <laughs> they, they show up faster there. So then he's got to wait for Tommy. And then they FaceTime and then they try on the pants together. So here mm-hmm. we are virtually trying on the pants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope your pants are f- yeah. fitting because shopping online is a like, anxiety-inducing totally. experience. I hate totally. doing it unless it's something that I already have and I know that it's like I have this size, I have this color, I know exactly what I'm getting. But sometimes it's like, how is this a medium or how is this this? Or it just does not make sense. But mm-hmm. So I hope all your virtual online purchases are perfect. So <laughs> that all being said, this question is directly related to the Patrick Liney, Pierre-Luc Dubois scenario, because here's two players that were drafted second overall and third overall by Winnipeg and Columbus. And now they've basically just traded each other for, yeah. for those, those picks, you know, are, you know, plus additional pieces, but Jack Roslevic and a third round pick aren't anything to write home about. Sorry, Jack. Um, hmm. Don't let the door. They got him playing center in Columbus, though. Yeah, one well, four of four faceoffs in his no, but no, there's nobody debut. else to play center. That's probably what uh, happened. <laughs> what's that guy's name? Damn it. Uh, <laughs> okay, that all being said, so here's here's my question for you. So, if you think about the draft, um, teams are always looking for a big two way centerman. It's like it just seems to be the the number one need for teams like, you know, Shifley has been the Jets guy. I wouldn't call him a two-way centerman, but like he's a big centerman that you need playing on your number one line. Um, But in that scenario, the Jets were picking second. Austin Matthews went first. So then um, Patrick Liney is, is the, the player that the Jets were looking at next. And I'm pretty sure if anybody would have had that pick, they probably would have picked Liney as well. But that being said, that then created uh, like an abundance of skilled scoring wingers on the Jets with Connor, Wheeler, Ehlers, uh, you know, and, and including Line A. So my question for you is like, are there some scenarios where maybe it's better instead of picking the best player available, uh, picking for a positional need? So... Mm-hmm. Not, not like I guess, and back then maybe the Jets weren't hard up for centermen, but it just seems like they've been going through years. If you think about Stasny's first tour of duty, and then the whole Kevin Kevin Hayes experience, they uh, Brian Little like and his injuries, and never really being able to get an actually legit second line centerman is is sometimes is it a better a better call uh, a better move to um to draft by positional need instead of um instead of best drafting the best best player available so yeah. with with this with this scenario do you think in mind do you think it's a always a good idea to draft by best player available or are there some scenarios where you should draft by what you need in your lineup yeah, I'm going to go with a little of column A and a little of column B, but I will just have a little caveat to one thing you said is that 
um, you know, when the Jets drafted Line A in 2016, uh, you know, Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers weren't the sort of scoring stars they were now. They were just young guys with promise, really, at that point. They hadn't really fully cemented themselves as legit NHL players. Ehlers, I think Line A's rookie year was Ehlers' second or third year. So he was he was an NHL player, but, um, you know, he's come a long way in that time, too. So it wasn't like that they were, like, super stocked on the wings. You know, you could see it coming, but um, certainly – drafting line a at second was a, a no-brainer it seemed like but um yeah to, to answer the question though i think it's a little of column a and a little of column b i think mostly you're going to draft the player with the most the best player available as it were um but it, if you get to a point in the draft where it's a bit of a toss-up and and you're like well you know our scouts have this guy ranked slightly higher than this other guy, but you look at that other guy and he's a six foot three, 200 pound center that projects to be a good player in the league for many years. Maybe you just draft that center. Cause you know, like you say, every team wants that or, you know, like to me in this past draft, a bit of an example was um, you look at uh, Schneider, the defenseman and Gooley, the defenseman, there were, couple big Western League defensemen, big right-hand shot defensemen. Um, everybody's always talking about wanting these kinds of players. The Toronto Maple Leafs had the pick before Montreal, I'm pretty sure, and before the other team uh, took Schneider. But anyway, you know, they didn't choose those guys, and they went for, um, you know, a, a, a winger. And it's to me, it's like, Everybody, like, you're always talking about it. If it comes down, like, I don't know, like, you kind of have to listen to your scouts and what, but if, I guess it's a philosophy thing. If you want the best player available, or if you think, well, this guy, if we develop him right and bring him along in a handful of years, he could be a stud on our blue line for many years to come. Like, I think you should draft position in, in some circumstances. I think when it comes to goalies, drafting for position is, unless you know it's a clear cut like K- carry price scenario going like top 5 overall or whatever then then take the goalie but like otherwise kind of just try and find a goalie in the later rounds you know okay but, so maybe maybe here's a better example and like i'm going to totally rag on the edmonton oilers here because they deserve it sure. so if you if you think about the 2012 draft Oh, when they when Yakupov? they when they picked Yakupov first, yeah, and if you th- if if you think about all the years um, of the Oilers getting those top picks, and if you think about the Oilers' needs, it it tends to be defensemen, I, right? They, I they, was they, saying at the time that they drafted Yakupov that they should draft. Uh, who was who were the well, defensemen in that? Like hind, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's so easy to make sure, this call like, now. At the time, I know I was saying like. They, they've, but, so they if you, if Nugent I'm, Hopkins, they just picked Hall. What do yeah, they need Yakupov? They, they had Jordan Eberle too. Like yeah, they exactly. Had, yeah. Like, so if you look, look if you look at the the um, the picks following Yakupov, even just in the top ten after Yakupov, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight were defensemen. 
I know, right? Uh, and some of them that like that draft is reported reputedly like not super deep, but like who Ryan Murray was the highest so he, drafted he, defenseman, right? Yeah, Ryan Murray, Griffin Reinhardt, who's now playing in the KHL. Yeah, and Murray's had a tough career in that he's had a lot of injury. Morgan player, Riley, but, Morgan Riley. Yeah, like there's a great pick right there. Matt Dumba, Dumba, great pick. Uh, Derek Pouliot, Jacob Truba, yeah, and Slater Cuckoo. Yeah, so and Cuckoo's coming in and playing pretty good these days too. Um, but like, yeah, you you just you look at what Edmonton did there, and it's like, okay, yeah, sure, Truba's only ranked, you know, he's not ranked number one or whatever. But like, let's just imagine the Oilers take Truba instead of Nail Yakupov there, or trade that number one pick for a for like a current a number, defenseman for a number five or eight drop pick. down in and get like PK Subban or something back Absolutely. then or whatever. Yeah. Like there yeah. was, that was, I don't remember who was the GM at that time, if it was uh, McTavish or what, but like, I remember that as like a semi Oilers fan, just like watching that garbage dumpster fire burn and be like, what is happening there that they want nail Yakupov who like as a casual hockey observer, whatever, you just know Yakupov is like, I'm just, you just, I just had a feeling about him. It was like, that is a terrible pick. Okay. And, okay. One more thing. And then maybe we should move on. Cause we still yeah. need to talk about the North division. Yeah. But so I get, I get it. it. It's, it's, it's scenario based whether you, whether or not you draft by positional need or whether you draft um, best player available. But all that being said, the Edmonton Oilers traded Nail Yakupov, their first overall pick in 2012, to St. Louis for Zach Pacquiaro <laughs> and a conditional third round pick. So yeah. they flipped their first overall pick for nothing. Nothing. Bag of pucks. So, yeah, so it, you traded you, at the time, right? Yeah, when it was yeah. actually worth you, something. But. So. Again, so maybe that's that's an option number three. Or do you use your pick and do you trade and yeah. and create it, some and you create like uh, maybe maybe you what, maybe you drop down, but then you get a player that could play right now, like from yeah. another team. So all that being said, stage of uh, your team is at you know, and I, I think so. If you've got a top five pick, you're probably just going to take best player available regardless of position. And it depends on how deep the draft is. Like they said, it was a really deep draft this year and the Jets got Cole Perfetti at number 10 or whatever it was. Um, you know, like what they could have, they could have traded that number 10 for to drop a little lower in the draft and probably came out all right, you know, made a move here or there, but you gotta yeah. like that pick. I, I don't know. I think, I think like, you know, could the Jets at number 10 this year have looked at their positional needs and said, we need, um, defense defenseman or whatever you know a goalie of the future or something because there was that russian goalie i think still available taking one pick later askarov or whatever his name is um you know so you could look at it that way and i think at the end in the end the jets kind of probably went best player available with perfetti you know looking at him and positionally you know i guess he played center, but he's probably projecting to be a winger, as they uh, as they say. And you know, it's hard to say. But like when you got a situation like Line and Dubois, where they go two and three, and I, at that 2016 draft, I remember thinking and looking at it, and and just knowing, um, 
you know, like I got excited, you know, when I saw the draft rankings and I, I didn't know Pierre-Luc Dubois before this, but just seeing, okay, here's a big six foot three, 200 pound center plays for Quebec or plays for um, uh, the Cape Breton screaming Eagles. And I got super jazzed about that. And I kind of wanted the jets to take him. I knew they wouldn't because line a was too tantalizing a pick. And obviously he's had a great career so far and will continue to, but like now that they've switched places, essentially, uh, you know, in a, in a, the jets got the position that they wanted and needed, which, you know, what if they had just drafted Dubois in 2016 instead of Line? You know, they would have had this centerman already. So, but well, hey, it's hey, funny well, how it uh, works out. And think about if the Jets would have had PLD in the playoff run in 2018, mm. you know, like, uh, yeah, maybe, you know, they, like, so- maybe they wouldn't have needed to get stasny or something you know like like, facing against the vegas golden knights in the third round and you got pld on your side yeah Uh, you know like you just have that depth in the middle that really makes a difference in the playoffs like he's been a bit of a slow builder in his career so far he's only 22 years old last year well two seasons ago he did have a bit of a breakout year and last year his stats they like to say weren't as good but his playoffs were really amazing and um i think that he's just building in his career. So like, it's hard to say if you go back to 2018 in that run, if he would have even been effective, you know, like he was, would have only been maybe 19 years old or whatever. And I don't think he played as an 18 year old. Tommy, you got to play into the storyline. The jets would have won the cup. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, no, that like, again, it's like a scenario thing and it's so easy to sit here on January 29th. Yeah. When you look at drafts of the past, you get that 2020 hindsight real good. Yeah. It's hilarious though. Like just think about like, and again, this is like a little activity that we should do in the future. And like, here's a team that you could have put together with, with these draft picks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, but anyways, so that, that's, that's the pants segment. It's been a while. I'm glad that the 45 is dusted off. I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll now like put it in one of those protective sleeves Perfect. And, like, and then, you know, it'll be protected. And then uh, I hope your online shopping with Chevy is an enjoyable experience. I can't complain. Uh, you know, we've, uh, we've found a lot of pants we like, so that's always good. Um, let's talk about the North Division, which is the uh, Scotiabank Canadian, whatever the hell. No, Scotiabank Scot- North. Scotiabank brought to you by Skip the Dishes and yeah. CCM. And Canadian yeah. Tire North Division. Yeah, uh, it's so we're we're uh, eight games or so. I think most teams have played about eight or ten. Um, Vancouver's played ten. They're t- they're five and five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of panic in Old Canuck Town, I think. Um, but yeah, nine, seven, so. Calgary's actually only played six games so far, um, but the, and they're two, three, and one. Uh, a little bit of panic in Calgary. They just got thumped by Montreal a couple times, um, and so like is okay. Let's start off with by I'll ask you this: Is Montreal the biggest surprise of the Canadian division, or um, are, is there I, a different big surprise? You know, I, I would say the surprises are more so the teams that aren't playing as well 
Like yeah. I would say, I thought I was expecting Edmonton to be better. I don't know why, yeah. but I, I just thought that they would be better than what they are right now. They're three and six after nine games. Yeah, Calgary they, is two, three and one after six games. Yeah. Ottawa one and six. Like Montreal, though, like you have to think, and I like I always keep coming back to the 2010 Olympics with Shea Weber and Carey Price as like pillars on that team. Yeah. And those guys are running the show in Montreal right now. And it's crazy because it's like 11 years later now. It's 11 years later, but those guys are like, those I guys still, are legit. Yeah. Weber so, had a PP goal uh, last night, I believe it was. Just like when he gets that one timer from the top of the circle on his offhand, look out. Yeah. That guy has <laughs> got a cannon. <laughs> well, and well, and uh, like a unforgettable memory for me is like when he scored in the Olympics and he put the puck through the net. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I like I like I can just still picture that to this day. Like it's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but but like that's that's what happens. Like I can only imagine how much of a leader Carey Price is and yeah. Shea Weber and yeah. how much those guys look up to those guys. Plus you got like character guys like Gallagher. Like yeah. they're like they have a really strong core of of like legit hardworking skilled guys and like. I don't know where you want to like rank rank the goalies, but Carey Price is still probably, if not the best goalie in the world. He's he's in the three. conversation. He's top three. Yeah, yeah, he's in and the like, conversation. That conversation might might switch like from day to day or whatever, but he's yeah. he's consistently like in there. Like he's sitting at mm -hmm. the he's sitting at the coffee table with whoever's Absolutely. talking about it. And like so, is, so like is, in, in reality, like is it surprising maybe because you like how deep are they like in whatever? But at the same time, like they've got a core group of leaders that mm -hmm. ah like if if Shea Weber and Carrie Price told me to like run into traffic, I probably would. <laughs> you know? like, All right, be back. Yeah. yeah. But and yeah, I agree. Um, and then just the pieces they've added, like Tyler Toffoli was named uh, Player of the Week or something like oh, that. And he, he just killed his yeah, former team. Split it up against the Canucks. And then, um, you know, uh, then you got the the uh, addition of um, Edmonton on the back end, and he's been playing really good. He's like a plus eight or something. Uh, and then you got you know, Josh Anderson up front, who there was questions is like, Oh, that's a big contract for maybe that guy or whatever. But well, yeah, those first couple like games the way he's playing yeah, that line of him and Suzuki and, uh, Drewan, I believe it is. That's been a great line. And Jonathan Drewan, there's a guy who has faced so much criticism over the last couple of years, probably just because of who he was traded for Sergachev to Tampa, who's looked pretty good down there and drew n has had some ups and downs but i'll tell you like so far this year he's quietly having himself a very nice little season so far so i think there's a lot of things going right for montreal right now um and obviously over the course of a season things are going to happen injuries etc so we'll see how it kind of handles and shakes down but yeah, yeah maybe it's not a surprise <laughs> that montreal is doing so well but like there were, I think there were questions on paper, like, you know, they looked like they had on paper improved a lot. And then there were questions like, are they going to gel and whatever? But Suzuki's looked amazing to me. Like that guy, he's great. I love him. Yeah.
but yeah. I so I would say like overall, the bigger surprises are the teams that aren't performing for sure. Well. Like your Edmontons who are three and six uh, to me, the issue there is goaltending. Like, yeah. I mean, and secondary scoring and all the rest of it, like Edmonton's got some issues for sure, but it, people thought, Oh, maybe they improved their depth this year. Um, you know, they added Cahoon and tourists and a few other guys. Um, but they lost Oscar Clefbaum this year to injury. He's out the entire year and he's like their number one D man, basically. So they don't have him and they brought in Barry who, and I totally forgot Tyson Berry was on Montreal or on Edmonton for like until I saw him like in that game. Like he's just he's kind of been a ghost. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he has. He hasn't really been much to write home about, which And I remember like hearing that coming. When I when I heard that Edmonton got Tyson Berry, I remember like being choked like Oh man, the Jets should have got him because they need someone yeah, to like run their yeah. power play. But it's like, well, maybe Chevy, you were right. Uh, yeah, maybe Pionk is <laughs> yeah. just better at the power play than that guy. But, so let's just go with him. So, <laughs> but, uh, that all said, though, Pionk's now on PP2 and Morrissey's on number one. But that's right. That's right. Um, anyways, but yeah. yeah, so I think the biggest surprises are the teams that aren't performing as well, but we're only, you know, eight to 10 games in. Yeah, it might be a different story, you know, I, in a while. But uh, I yeah, I like wonder it, what is wrong with Calgary though, and their slowish start. I mean, they're well, you know, I got just a, below five hundred, so it's not like it's like, and they've and they've played the fewest games so far, so it's not like it's a write off or anything. But you I just think I just think that uh, Johnny Gaudreau and uh, Sean Monahan aren't that good anymore. Yeah, like yeah. I just think it's maybe the time has come like, you know, like it, it just doesn't seem like they're great players. Like mm. they had their little moments and their spurts of like really great play, like a year or two ago or whatever. But now it just seems like they can barely function as, as second liners. Yeah. Like Johnny Gaudreau just doesn't seem like, like have teams figured him out or something, you know, like, or is there, is, is that what's happening or, or I, I think it, it's, um, it might be an issue of coaching right now in, in Calgary because they've had some games where they were in the game and then there's been like a little bit of questionable, like, I mean, maybe you could say that about any team if you follow them close enough, like the coach should have done this, the coach should have done that. And who knows why coaches do certain things, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, and maybe Markstrom has, Maybe he's not been fantastic. Oh, you um, mean getting getting all those Vancouver Canucks on your team? Yeah, like well, well they got they got Markstrom, Tanev, and maybe one other guy there, Levo or whatever his name is. But um, I don't know. I think like Calgary will be fine. I think they'll end up sort of pushing for a playoff spot when all is said and done. But at this point, they don't look great. Edmonton sure doesn't look great. Ottawa is pretty much what we expected. And uh, Vancouver, I think, has been disappointed in the way that they've been able to play. Like, you know, they're 500, but, um, you know, a few of those wins are against uh, Ottawa, basically. So, What's crazy, though, like, if if any of these teams go on, like, a serious heater... Yeah, like that could make a difference in a in a like a, a flash, you know. Like, Absolutely, 
And you have to kind of wonder, though, it, will that really happen, especially when you look at the Jets' upcoming uh, sketch where they play the Flames four in a row? Like, yeah, they, you know, theoretically they could sweep them. Like, a, it's like a four-game sweep of the playoffs. That that happens. But you got to think, though, that that's pretty tough to go head-to-head-to-head to head to head like that and and, and be them. able to come out on top every time because <laughs> – if you're the team that loses a game, like I know just like from beer league, if you play the same team within a couple weeks of each other or whatever, and you lost to them last time, you come out like fired up. You want to beat those guys, yeah. right? Like, and then you come up with like a more strategic plan. Yeah, or like a game it, plan it just seems whatever, everybody yeah. has a better game because they're, they're into it. Right. So yeah. I think it could be hard for a team to go on a serious heater like with this sort of all in division setup that the NHL is going on this, this year. And that goes, I think for like a great across the league, not just the North division, but it's hard to yeah. say. And you know, for the listeners out there next episode, we'll do a bit of a tour around the league Yeah. right now. We're just focusing on the North obviously, but we'll, I'll we'll have my, um, I've been NHL watching a lot of ice back in action. So yeah. I'll be, uh, more and there's only one game tonight. In. So I want to actually tune in for that, uh, yeah. Columbus Chicago game here soon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, the, I think the biggest surprise is, is maybe the, the, um, uh, some teams not performing as, as far or as well as that I thought they would be, but we're only eight game, eight to 10 games in someone could go like eight and two in the next 10. And then all of a sudden they're in first place, you know, a different story. Yeah. 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 I think uh, pretty much like, yeah, you look at Toronto and Montreal and like, I think everybody was expecting Toronto to run away with it, which we talked about before. We're like, not so sure of, but Hey, you know, like I've watched maybe two Leafs games, the one where they beat the Jets, and then I watched one other one. And uh, I watched the one when Ottawa beat them. Yeah, I watched that one as well. (laughs) So maybe I've seen like three Leafs games, and they look good. You know, they look fine. I don't know. Um, They'll be they'll be good. Uh, They'll continue to be good, kind of thing. So, but you know who's a Leaf killer? Dubois. Pld. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. We traded a leaf killer. We're getting one back. Yeah. We've traded a couple leaf killers. It was Truba who dislocated Matthews's shoulder a couple seasons ago. The Jets traded him. Lion A, he's scored a bunch of goals against the Leafs. Now we've traded him. But hey, we got one back. Actually, that just reminded me of something. Our longtime listener and teammate, Tim, recommended a, a, a segment that we can uh, uh, visit on a future episode about... Uh, Something about trades that we are sad that happened or something like that. Do you remember seeing that? Oh, uh, yeah. Like some of the notorious trades through the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good idea. We'll, we'll comb the history books and, uh, and, and, of... and Tim, if you're listening, you probably not, but, um, we'll, we'll phone you or we'll zoom you Cold call for, for, for those kind of those for that, that segment. And, uh, yeah, we'll get your take on that. Yeah. I don't know what kind of schedule we got going forward, but maybe once every two weeks at this point works for us. So we'll just kind of go with that. But uh, so Tim block off every single day for the next two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I I think that covers that. Well, how's your list looking there, Tommy? Are are we? Uh, yeah, like uh, the the show rundown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My apologies. Uh, yeah, no, I is think it, we're is looking. It, is it time we're for looking a, real good? 
time for a little tune yeah i think we're due for a song here um we've got one by a uh, standout new england band longtime hockey themed band the zambonis i believe they're from massachusetts but they could be from connecticut it's hard to say uh, you know what? I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the intern on the on the line right now. Okay. Yeah. So this oh, is they're, they're from Connecticut, Connecticut. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And that's maybe why they're such Whalers fans historically. Like if you look at their uh, discography and their Instagram and whatever else, they seem to be big Whalers fans. Well, um, if you look at their picture on Wikipedia, the singer is wearing a Whalers jersey and he's holding the Stanley Cup. Nice. And nice. then the bass or the guitar player is wearing a Buffalo Sabres jersey. And the bass player is wearing like a CSKA, you know. Uh, yeah, Team Russia, Red team, Army. Yeah, Red Army jersey. That's pretty cool. And they're all wearing helmets. And doesn't one guy have a Nordiques jersey or something? Not in this picture, but. Oh, okay, I see pictures where. Yeah, so. But <laughs> they're big go. hockey fans, obviously, and and uh, we've played them before. They did a they do a sweet cover of the um, Brass Bonanza, which is the Whalers sort of like theme song, and uh, we, I think we played one called Breakaway, which is like about a breakaway. <laughs> this one's called what's this one called again, Randy? Johnny got John- sus- Johnny got suspended. Johnny got suspended, and then probably in brackets for wearing an Islanders t-shirt suck t-shirt or something like that yeah. so yeah so let's uh let's throw to the zambonis and johnny got suspended here on talking hockey the hockey talking show a long time ago my friend johnny got suspended for wearing an islander sucks t-shirt folks that was the zambonis with their song johnny got suspended um for wearing an islander suck t-shirt and hey it's happened to the best of us i almost got suspended in junior high i think it was for wearing a nirvana t-shirt that said fudge packing crack smoking motherfucker on the back (laughs) (laughs) nice Uh, my french teacher didn't like that one um but i didn't get suspended so 
Hey, no problem. But uh, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about uh, uh, this is an old segment we used to do on the show all the time, but we haven't in, in a while. Just like the pants segment. We're bringing back all the old faves here today. Yeah. When, um, when in doubt, you got to go back to your roots. That's right. And uh, so we're going to do a vintage hockey hair player of the week. But first, we're going to do a local legend of the week. And Randy's got a little special somebody in mind this week for his local legend. Uh, it's Comrade Frickus, our KHL correspondent. Uh, yeah, so you know what? Because I'm so tied in with, with the, the KHL uh, action of these days, this is actually um, someone that's been featured as a local legend before. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Dawes just reached 500 points. Um in in the khl so khl to career khl total. khl career total points. how many uh how many games was that do you know um it's i think it's a oh, where did it just go here the intern must have closed the tab <laughs> for me here <laughs> i hate it when it does that <laughs> but um i yeah anyways uh, but from following along on the khl twitter account I saw that he had his 500th point for the for the uh, uh, for his play over there in Russia, um, but something that I think uh, seems to be forgotten, and I just need to verify here for a second. But I do believe he was on Sorry. the two. I do believe he was on the 2005 World Junior Team with Sidney Crosby. Isn't that correct? Uh, I don't know about the year, but I know he did play World Juniors. So if it would have been that year or maybe a different year, I really don't know. But I know. So I, yeah, I, Dawes played for Canada in the 2004 and 2005 World Junior Championships. Okay, so two years, yeah. yeah. So he played at the Grand Forks one with on that with the classic lineup of Getzlaff and, yeah. and Bergeron and Crosby and the quote unquote best double D on. ever. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, the team that was, uh, regularly compared to the world junior team that we just saw. So, um, you know, we talked about Nigel Dawes on a previous episode, but here's just the perfect, perfect example of a successful Winnipeg hockey player that maybe didn't see a lot of success in the NHL, but he's gone over to Russia. Yeah. He's probably made some decent coin and he's putting the puck in the net. And, you know, he's also he, played in the Olympics with Kazakhstan and um, obviously, uh, you know, like a probably unforgettable world junior experience playing for that classic team that to this day, like that's f 16 years ago now. Um, and folks are still talking about that class. Oh, they always refer to that as the best yeah. uh, Can Canadian junior team ever put together. Uh, Dawes has played in the KHL for a while now. I mean, you get 500 points in a league. You've probably been there for a little while. But he's really like, he really has found a great home there. Like, I'm sh he, he must, has he been on a championship winning team over there? Do you know? Is that, is that uh, something that, like his, what is it called? The Gargarin Cup, I believe. Um, like, what what team does he play for? So this year he's plays playing for Kazan Akbars. Okay, but if his so his, I'll just do a quick rundown of. He played of, for Saint Petersburg or something, didn't he? He played for uh, Astana Be Baris and 
Jeez. Yeah, yuck. Yekateriak or whatever they're called. Yekaterinburg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yekater. So, <laughs> let, let, let's just do here a, a little a little quick rundown okay. of, of some of his seasons. And then Perfect. we'll move on to the to uh, the Randy Carlyle talk here. But um so since twenty eleven, he's played regularly, roughly, you know, roughly in the fifty games. He's he's played fifty-two. 60 55 somewhere in there so he's he's roughly say on average he's playing 50 games and so if you look at his his goal totals just for the for the past uh 10 seasons you got 16 you got 20 you got 26 you got 32 you got 31 you got 36 you got 35 28 20 and 23 this sounds like a guy who knows how to put the biscuit in the basket very consistent goal scoring and like that's probably like i'll just call that an average of 50 games a season yeah and then when you're looking at assists you're looking at 16 14 23 24 22 26 21 41 30 and 18 so he tends to score he tends to score more than than he's getting assists he's the trigger man but um and then like if you, a quick little rundown here, he's pretty much at a point a game pace for the past one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine seasons. Nice. So he's, 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 you know, like, so that's nine seasons. He's playing roughly 50 games a season. He's scoring a point a game. There's your 500 points. Very nice. So, uh, yeah, just Nigel Oops. Dawes did, did like, and if you look at his NHL totals, 212 games, 39 goals, 45 assists for 84 points. Yeah. So he Who had did he like, play for in the NHL. He played for Calgary. He played for the Rangers. He played for Phoenix, Calgary, Atlanta, and had a quick little tour of duty with Montreal. And then that huh. must have been it. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize he played for so many teams. And just think if he had stuck with Atlanta, he could have come and played in Winnipeg and been a hometown Jet Well, guy. The, the following season is when they would have moved to Winnipeg. Uh, yeah, I just missed it. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like he's probably had a lot more success over in, in Russia. And tip of the hat to him for a sweet career milestone of 500 career points over there. And yeah. he's he's 35. So, like, yeah. he's still producing at, at, you know, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of whoever. Well, uh, Datsuk is still playing, and he's like, pushing you know i don't know but like old. 35 is now very old for hockey players yeah, like exactly. if you're looking at 18 year olds to 18 to 22 year olds now that are pretty much ruling the leagues for sure so yeah when you look at a guy like you know your joe thorntons or whatever who are 41 or something like that it's pretty impressive that they can still keep her going i mean zidane ochara was he 40 44 43 something like that hard to say but yeah, still going right on. Well, tip of the hat to the local legend, Nigel Dawes there. Uh, so come on, swing by the Talking Hockey Studios anytime, Nigel, and get a coupon for Sucrum's Brewery. Yeah, uh, you have to have a beer and by with coupon, us. I mean, like, you know, we'll buy a pint or something like uh, that. So. Well, you're probably very rich, so maybe you could buy a round, too. <laughs> well, first one's on me, and then... <laughs> Okay, so that's Nigel Dawes, the local legend. We dusted off that segment and dusting off the next segment. Yeah, next segment, Vintage Hockey Hair Player of the Week. Uh, an old favorite. So, like, uh, of course, this is kind of how the show, in a way, got its start back in the day. We Three seasons ago, you know, when we started doing this, um, 
it was based on the Instagram that I was running, which was all about vintage hockey hair. And so we kind of just morphed that into a segment and we look back at a hockey player from the, from the golden era of hockey in a way, the eighties and nineties. Um, I mean, that's a golden era for, I, I think for us because of the age we are, but, uh, Anyway, like back then, guys didn't necessarily wear helmets. Uh, the hair was out a lot more. The hair seemed to be more a part of the game. Although that said, I think it's still a pretty good part of the game when you look at some of the mug shots of guys, you know, th- this year and everything like that. So, well, um, Brandon Tanner for one, for sure. Yeah, exactly. That guy. Oh man, uh, his name's escaping me, so I won't even bother trying to think of it. But, um, like anyway, Randy Carlisle uh, is our vintage hockey hair player of the week. Be- you know, doubling as the episode uh, number eight, uh, war number eight for the Jets. Uh, and, but we're going to call him our vintage hockey hair player of the week as well. So he he was from Sudbury or is from Sudbury and he played for the uh, Sudbury uh, junior. He played junior hockey for the Sudbury Wolves back in the early 70s. And then he got drafted by Toronto, uh, the Maple Leafs. And what, what year was he drafted now? Uh, 76. He was drafted 30th overall, which was the second round back in those days. Um, and so he made his debut in, in the NHL that year, 76, 77 with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, he, uh, played 45 games as a rookie at, you know, five assists, uh, nothing remarkable, but getting his feet wet, you know? Um, well, he would go on to kind of, his first couple game, first couple years, maybe, you know, a little bit of time in the AHL, a little bit of time, uh, you know, in the NHL. And then eventually as Toronto does, they get impatient with their players and they trade them. And so they traded him to Pittsburgh for a guy named Dave Burroughs. Couldn't tell you a darn thing about Dave Burroughs, but I'll tell you what Randy Carlisle went to Pittsburgh and he ended up becoming the captain of the Penguins. And he ended up winning the Norris Trophy as a member of the Penguins. The year that he won the Norris Trophy, he was nominated for the Hart Trophy. Um, and he was also uh, he was also an all-star. And then he was nominated for the Norris a few other times in his career. Just had the one win, though. And, yeah, he, he won – or, sorry, he won. He had – like one of the most amazing seasons for a defenseman probably ever that year in that he scored 16 goals and he added 67 assists for 83 points in 76 games. Uh, pretty impressive. He had 136 PIMS on top of that. So, you know, he didn't mess around his own zone. He took a few liberties with guys, didn't shy away from the scrums, those kinds of things. I think the most amazing part of that, uh, that year, his stat package, he was a minus 16. So <laughs> <laughs> the Penguins, uh, not a good team in those days. Um, and in fact, every season he played for the Penguins, he was a minus player. Um, that's just kind of how, how it went in those days. And then he got traded to Winnipeg. And uh, that's where he sort of became... You know, that's where he spent 10 years and he ended his career as a Jet, uh, the original Jets. And he wore number eight for the Jets. Uh, Previous to that, he was wearing 25 or 23. And um, 
he served as captain for the Jets for a few years. Uh, Randy, I believe you said it was what eighty nine ninety to ninety three or something like that, and um, those were his last handful of years in the league. And so he was a grizzled vet by that point, uh, not putting up the the points that he used to. But you know, his first few seasons with the Jets, he'd put up in the forties or fifties of points, you know, he was still a, a point producing defenseman, which, um, you know, you, you like to have. And, and in those days, a lot of teams, you know, there was your Paul coffees, your, uh, uh, who are some other point producing defensemen, Ray Bork, you know, these kinds of guys. So Carlisle was kind of that for the jets, I suppose, but he had his best years kind of, a little earlier, more in the uh, more in the seventies, early eighties were his best years, but um, he had quite the head of hair too. And he was a no helmet guy, one of those old school guys, no helmet. Check the uh, Talking Hockey Instagram at Talking Hockey Podcast. A couple underscores in there, but if you just type that, it'll pop up. Uh, uh, if you go back a little ways, maybe I'll pin it or. I don't know. You can't pin it, but I'll put it in the story or whatever to as a little refresher. But I, there was, there was a real good shot of Randy Carlisle with his, it's like a side view of his hair, just <laughs> wicked hair. And it was, it was kind of, he just looks like such a dad. He's like, always looked like a dad. I don't know. Like he didn't like hockey players in those days did, didn't necessarily look like hockey players. They just no. could have been like, Oh, this guy's a plumber. Yeah. This, this guy a, chops wood. Yeah, exactly. Like whatever trade of employment, that's what this guy is. Um, and uh, yeah, the the caption of that one was kind of like, there's a certain age of gentlemen in Winnipeg who would go to their barber and ask for the Randy. And uh, <laughs> it's, like, it's a classic, it's a classic haircut from that era. So I'll po- I'll find some more Randy pictures and post those, but. I just want to That's add little, one. Uh, well, I want to add one little Randy Carlisle. Uh, sounds good. Sounds segment, good. Like a uh, little piece of information. Mm-hmm. But so the the Jets lost or the Jets left Winnipeg in '96, and basically we ended up getting the Minnesota Moose here. Uh, at the time, they were like IHL, and then they eventually switched into the AHL. So they were the Minnesota Moose, and then they became the Manitoba Moose here. But Randy Carlisle basically stayed in Winnipeg around that time well he i think he got a little cup coach. Of co- he got a couple co- a cup of coffee with assistant coaching in the nhl prior to that but yep. um he he basically was a coach for the moose from like 96 till i think the early 2000s so uh as a winnipegger and as a as a you know someone that just lost the jets i remember like having a guy like randy carlisle as the head coach of the yeah. of the team was was kind of a cool, you know, uh, link to to the NHL history here. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I wasn't a huge Moose fan. Not that it, they weren't great, but I think it was just part of the part of just losing the Jets that really. Oh, sound, you know, it's, it's 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 AHL and it's like cool. It's cool, it's, you know, like it's good hockey, but it's it's still not it's it's not the yeah. NHL. You know? And it's it like you know you're kind of soured by hockey a little bit too. Yeah. But um, you know, if it wasn't for the Moose. Uh, back then, and then True North being able to build themselves up to then become an NHL ownership group again, uh, you know they would they needed all the steps. But I just remember thinking back then, uh, you know, there's Randy Carlisle, a guy that I would have saw like 
dozens of times on the ice at the old Winnipeg arena. And here he is coaching. Um, and then, you know, get to see him win a Stanley cup with the, with the ducks was, was pretty cool, but he was yeah, always, sure. he was always a classic jet, you know, like laying the lumber on everybody. And, you know, mm-hmm. he, he'd score the odd goal, but he was like, your really strong defenseman back there. And they yeah. don't, they don't make them like Randy Carla anymore. That's for sure. No. And, and speaking of making them like hockey sticks, they don't make wood hockey sticks anymore, and you've got a pretty sweet uh, NHL piece of NHL memorabilia. Uh, you've got the Randy Carlisle model uh, hockey stick as handed down uh, from an old family neighbor. What kind of stick is that? It's a laser? What? What is, is that a Sherwood? Uh, oh, it's a Louisville laser. Uh, game used or no? Oh, it's fresh. No, that's never. Look at the toe on that one. A nice square toe. Good defenseman's blade right there. Um, yeah, and then on the uh, on the shaft it says Carlisle from the Louisville Laser stamped on there. And yeah. you know what? Like the Louis, like this thing. Like I'd be surprised if I could flex this thing. <laughs> like you you kids out there you got your like 67 flexes you got your 72 flexes you got your 87 flexes you got your one or whatever flexes this is probably a 200 flex here boys and girls yeah yeah you can lean into that one but it, it's it's a legit this is a piece of lumber yeah but that's pretty um, awesome i remember like, if you I remember, open it i remember steve eiserman having these kinds of sticks too the louisville uh, laser sorry um uh Mark Messier used these sticks. Okay. But and but then you could get them like with uh blue or red writing on them. So like Eiserman uh, had a red one. Of course. Uh, uh Messier had blue because obviously Oilers, but uh yeah. look, it's graphite too. So. Nice, nice. I think if, if you open a sports bar, Randy, in your in your condo or whatever, you could um I literally can flex this thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should if if you had a sports bar, you could put that like hanging above the bar, you know. And then whenever Randy Carlisle walks in, we all like just have the stick and we take pictures with it with yeah, Randy ring the bell or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Free drinks on the house. Randy Carlisle's here, <laughs> and then you just like slash everybody with a stick because it would yeah. cause some serious damage. Yeah, I think that would be ideal. Very nice. Well, that's a good way to wrap up the show for this week. Um, I think we'll uh, we'll go out on a tune as we like to do. Um, you know, we'll be back in probably a week or two with another episode after a few more games in the North Division. We'll talk. Well, of course, we'll come back. We'll talk some other divisions as well, give some Im- impressions around the league. But Yeah, we got to talk some nasty Nate here on our next Yeah, episode. for sure. So, and, and maybe by the next time we... Uh, touch base on talking hockey, the hockey talking show. We'll have seen Pierre-Luc Dubois in a Winnipeg Jets uh, sweater. But until then, let's leave it with this song, which is a tribute. We're, we're using it as a tribute to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, we've got, we've got a new Quebecois in town and uh, he wears sweater number 13. So this is called, Le Chandail de Hockey by uh, Del Barber and the No Regretskis. And it's in honor of numero tres, Pierre-Luc Dubois.
Beau but en colisse L'hiver de 1946 à la manière de Maurice Richard Nous jouons sur la patinoire Maman, il faut que tu dises Mais si tu n'as pas compris Ce n'est pas celui que tu m'as promis Ce n'est pas mon chandard de hockey Sur la glace, la vie de ma gasse Il m'embrasse ce chandail Sur la glace, la vie de ma gasse, il m'embrasse. 